find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Today we have um, my favorite episode, which is Guilty Pleasures, and we are doing the Lima side of it, and we have some really awesome guests lined up for you tonight. Hi, this is Kay, Black John Lennon on Tumblr, Killer Queen Andy on the Archive, and this is one of my favorite episodes, so I'm super excited. Hi, uh, this is Jamie. I'm uh, like, a, like a rum chocolate souffle on Tumblr, uh, like a souffle on Archive of Our Own. And this, yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love it so much, and, it, and the music is so happy. Oh, me now? Yeah, yeah Pink. <laughs> uh, okay, hi, I'm Pink. Uh, I'm Miss Honeysuckle Pink on Tumblr, and just Honeysuckle Pink without the Miss on AO3. Uh, and I'm just repeating what everyone else says. I mean, guilty pleasure, I mean, this is this is the most unguilty pleasure I have. It's one of my absolute favorite episodes. Hi, I'm uh, Sladiest on Tumblr, and this is my first podcast, so everybody has to be nice. <laughs> no, this is when we start hazing you. <laughs> yeah, I expect that from you. <laughs> okay. Well, um, jumping in, um, I don't really want to spend a whole lot. Of, I know we're going to talk way a lot about blam, 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 and blade and blam. blam and all that. Um, but just really quickly, because I find it entertaining as well, I want to just really quickly touch upon um, the other two Lima side plot lines that are going on. Um, oh, and yes. The, the first one uh, is basically it's Brittany uh, talking to Kitty and it's basically Kitty's really kind of integration into the rest of the group. And um, she they brings her on fondue for two and they decide to do Spice Girls. And I just, you know, I'm not a, I'm as everybody knows, I'm not the biggest fan of the newbies, but I think this is just a fun little plot line and everyone is just so really hilarious in it. So this nice. is when Kitty became just a favorite of mine. Just her reaction to everything in Brittany's room. Just like the way she's like, that cheese was like hot acrid barf. That cat is going to die. Just like. 
This I, uh, is probably my favorite fondue for two. I really like the no, line in, in in that fondue for two, the line, this is a safe space. We're on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I... I oh, sorry, go ahead, babe. Well, if it was kind of a wing to the camera, I mean, she basically looks at the camera, this is safe, like, in Britney's world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like... Oh, go ahead. Okay, okay. Oh, I was just going to say, I really like that. Bring it on. Bring it on, too. Bring it on, you know, like when they're talking about the guilty pleasures and, and like the, whatever the last one in, in Kitty is like, no, you cannot like that one. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to yeah. throw this out there, but I don't think Kitty's guilty pleasure was Spice Girls. You don't think oh. Kitty's? What do you think it was? Artie. Really? really? Ooh. Yeah. I don't this know. is when they first really connect. I, I did do the Spice Girls. I did really get the impression that Britney was covering for her when she said Spice Girls. Because, um, mm -hmm. and because like uh, Kitty looked surprised, maybe confused when she said that. So yeah. I do, yeah, I, I do think it was something else other than Spice Girls. Hmm. You know what I'm actually starting to think of, conspiracy theorists that I am, since Britney dated Artie first, she may have told Kitty, you know what, you should be Ginger Spice, because that was Artie's favorite. <laughs> oh, Ooh, yeah, I could definitely see that. It could turn out that maybe she that Artie's got a thing for Ginger Spice. So. Okay, I can't believe there are conspiracy theories around Kitty and Artie and Ginger Spice. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> and probably last, sweetie. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I I did want to mention the line in that scene uh, that transphobic line that kitty says there's nothing scarier than a girl with a penis and i like how everyone gives her a look like that is not okay and meanwhile yeah. she's trying to be a better person and not be so mean to everyone she's like i'm just kidding and uh which you know um obviously she's making an attempt to be a better mm -hmm. person but yeah, yeah. I, I i did like that like in previous episodes there had been transphobic stuff that hadn't gotten a bad reaction from characters but now this one did and that's like progress yeah i don't think you always got a lot of call outs on glee for some of the bad behavior <laughs> Tina's well, i think a lot of it also unique and diva got um oh. pissed marley off I remember that because that's mm -hmm. when Marley <laughs> called Tina out on her attitude. But for the most part, you're right. They don't usually get called out. Well, and then let me ask you, because this is another case. Maybe specifically you can point to this. Um, this is another instance of Brittany in the later scene when they're all picking Spice Girls that she calls a unique uh, Mercedes again. And yeah, it's a sore point, And Brittany has gotten away with a lot of things that I think other characters wouldn't get away with. Um, and it kind of plays on that joke, all, all black people look alike, blah, blah, or you know what I mean? And so, and it never gets called out ever. I think that even Rachel in season six refers to Unique as cross-dressing Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. never, I don't think Kurt called that out. He called her yeah. out on getting writer's name wrong, but not on, you know, mm -hmm. the... Yeah. joke about Unique and Mercedes essentially being the same person and mm -hmm. part of me wonders if it's a subtle nod to people who kind of lump all black female characters into the same into the same kind of category even mm -hmm. though if you're paying attention you'll see that there are a lot of differences between Unique and Mercedes mm -hmm. um, they do have things in common whereas you know they can be brash and loud but it's hiding a vulnerability but they're vulnerable for different reasons mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, but the show never really goes very deeply into calling out those instances, not as quickly as it will to call out homophobia, which I think is one of the shows, I think it's one of the bigger flaws in Glee that mm-hmm. racism and things like that don't get called out. Mm-hmm. But transphobia didn't get called out, racism doesn't get called out, biphobia doesn't get called out. And maybe it's because, you know, Ryan Murphy's a white gay male, so he doesn't, mm-hmm. those things aren't on his mind mm-hmm. as much as, you know, they should be. And that's where the mm-hmm. show could have definitely benefited from having a more diverse writer's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, on a kind of funnier note, I, I will say that Unique had some really great lines. Um, I really love the, the little section where they're deciding where Brittany is basically telling everybody who's going to be <laughs> what Spice mm-hmm. Girl. And <laughs> I just love Unique's like, does that make me baby Spice? <laughs> you know what's funny is I was in high school when the Spice Girls came out. And funny story, I, will me- I remember the first time I saw them, it was over the summer. And MTV, before MTV2 became its own separate channel, would run blocks of videos under the guise of MTV2. And those videos would be videos that were not very popular, usually like indie artists, like weird shit, because it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. And my whole family was home in the living room, which was not rare, because if we were all in the living room, we usually weren't watching MTV. And the video came on, and there was this running joke my siblings and I had from a Janine Garofalo Stand up where if something was like really weird, we go, Is this German? So <laughs> I remember my siblings and I being like, Is this German? What the fuck is this? And like, oh, like, what the hell? And then, like, literally, the phone starts ringing, and my friends are calling, like Did you just see that? What the hell was that? And then, the first thing we saw when we get to school, everyone's just like Spice Girls, everything for Halloween, everyone was Spice Girls. It was like just from zero to like everywhere in that period but I remember my question being and everyone rolling their eyes at me I was like why does the black one have to be scary <laughs> mm-hmm. and everyone would say ha 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 you're just overreacting and I'm like okay you guys said the same thing when I called out the Power Rangers on the age, on the Asian girl mm-hmm. being the Yellow Ranger or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god well. oh Man. my gosh well um, and then they do the Spice Girls number, and I, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of fun. And then, yeah. Can I, I give know. a shout-out to Heather Muller? It's a great number, knows. actually. The Spice Girls number is amazing. Amazing. It's not Heather even just fun. It's awesome. With those one-handed cartwheels while she's pregnant. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's yeah. pregnant. Oh, wow. This. And I'm just like, I couldn't even, I, I mean, I can't do a cartwheel now. I never could. But one-handed cartwheels while, while pregnant. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Just like, Jesus. Wow. Like, how long was she, she at that point? I don't think it was a, I don't oh. think she's showing quite yet. No, she's probably maybe two or three months, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. She's showing a little run like you could tell she gained a little bit of weight in the face, but mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. No. Um, I'm of the school of don't ask unless it's so completely obvious. Like, like yeah. the moment they're about <laughs> to give birth, it's like, are you having a baby? <laughs> and even that is misleading because my sister, when she eats something salty, you would think she was she bloats and she looks like eight months pregnant and this just she needs to burp. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So yeah, I mean, I I think it's one of the most fun. I, I don't I don't know. Do you guys like? think of Spice Girls as a guilty pleasure? Because I never really thought, I mean, like, people like Spice Girls and I, that was popular. And... I mean, I think maybe, I don't know. Oh, now, keep in I mind when Spice Girls came out, pleasure. 
Well, I'm, okay. I mean, I'm a lot older than you guys, but um, yeah. just because it was like a manufactured pop band, right? Oh, true. Well, it was everything in the 90s. <laughs> well, <laughs> At least the late 90s. I was really afraid of losing my street pride because <laughs> I was very much known for either like being like really, I was into alternative and gangster rap. Like there was no really in between for me at the time. So I was like really concerned about my street cred. So they were kind of a guilty pleasure for me. But as an adult, I have no guilty pleasures, whatever. <laughs> when I, when I, well, when the Spice Girls came out, I was working, actually working in country radio at the time. So the, ah. I didn't have... I didn't have that much exposure to the Spice Girls because the radio group that I worked with at the time, well, at first it was a small one, then I worked with a larger radio group. And even then, we had four stations. Two were AM, one was gospel, and one was sports. And then the two FM stations were country and then R&B. So I was listening to, I was hearing 90s R&B coming into my office from the radio studio down the hall. And then when I was on the air, it was all like Shania Twain and Garth Brooks. So, uh, well, do you think that, um, that oh, teenagers would think it's a guilty pleasure though? Like, cause I guess we gotta, I mean, I realized we all talk about, um, this being such a, you know, a, a not a teenage show because of all the references to like all the things in the eighties, but I don't yeah. know. I, I think teenagers I have, would think it's an oldie. I have feelings <laughs> you know, about that. Honestly. I don't know. This is, Another, you're gonna get a couple of rants from me today. Oh, are we? For me, with regards to that, okay. So when I was in high school, I was known for being that girl who liked old shit, Beatles, the Bee Gees, classic rock, old R and B. There was no internet. Like I went to the library, like challenged, you know, trying to get some music and like learn this shit. Anything I couldn't get out of my mom's own record collection. Mm-hmm. And but now there's the internet, so it doesn't seem that weird to me that teenagers will like stuff from so far before their time because it's so easy to find. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, it's easy, true. But you have to be directed to it. I mean, I live mm-hmm. with teenagers and they don't necessarily go looking. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Blaine who's got a brother who's 10 years older than him. And <laughs> a lot of my musical taste came from stuff my mom might have been listening to. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine like Marley's mom listening to Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. A- Interesting thought. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the other side plot line is Jake and how um, it kind of comes down to the question of if the artist or creator of a piece of art mm-hmm. has a problematic background, do we still appreciate the art or do we not? So, yeah. see, and for mm-hmm. me, and this is gonna, how do I put this? I've talked about this on Tumblr a lot. Mm-hmm. That is kind of, I think there's a deeper read on that situation mm-hmm. because as Jake says, they've done hella problematic artists mm-hmm. in that quiet room. Yeah. Obviously I like the Beatles. My Tumblr is named after John Lennon. Mm-hmm. He was, he was notoriously abusive to mm-hmm. both Cynthia and Yoko. Yeah. That is very well documented. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney was, has been abusive. I mean, you can go through the list of artists, white artists in particular, who have, who are problematic. White males. And they all get a pass. And they all get a pass. You're absolutely right. They get a pass. They're legendary. They're known as legends. Their art is not besmirched. I mean, there are people to this day who are still defending Woody Allen, Roland Polanski, 
Like yeah. their their art and what they've contributed. Led Zeppelin, Johnny Depp. You could go mm-hmm. on forever. Exactly. Gary Glitter. Gary, well, nobody defends to... Gary Glitter. No, okay, true. <laughs> but they're always going to get a but pass for that. But there are still these to play that crap. Yeah, they're, they're, they're always going to get a pass for that. You're never yes, going to say. they're always going to get a pass. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're not right. going to not listen to the Beatles. You're not going to not say that the Beatles are legendary based on what Paul McCartney, you know, did in his spare time mm-hmm. or, you know, did in his relationships. And then you have someone like, and then you have people like someone like Bobby Brown, who if you... Obviously, maybe to mainstream, they don't understand the contributions that he's made. But mm-hmm. if Bobby Brown and New Edition had never existed, there would be no new kids on the block. No. You know, in sync, there'd be no Backstreet Boys. Mm-mm. He's contributed to pop culture, and his contributions are just as important. And Chris Brown, despite he is a garbage person, it goes mm-hmm. way beyond what he did to Rihanna. If you follow oh, RB, yeah. you know he yeah. is a garbage person. Yep. But he's talented, and his songs are good. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Jake's storyline comes from the fact that he's, he's, he, yes, he's the new Puck, quote unquote. But as I've said in the past, he's got all of the same baggage that Puck has with the added addition of being a black man. Mm-hmm. And they don't get a pass. They're automatically yeah. too aggressive, automatically too dangerous. So mm-hmm. on things that Puck would have gotten forgiven for, Jake doesn't get the same level of forgiveness. And that mm-hmm. things that other characters are forgiven for, for example, Blaine cheated on Kurt. Kurt's own brother seems to have forgiven Jake, forgiven Blaine, but when Jake cheats mm-hmm. on Marley, Ryder's supposed to be his best friend, turns on him instantly, he's a bad guy. Not mm-hmm. you made a mistake, it's you're a bad guy. And yeah. so well, I think that this He was also spark. jealous. I mean, there was other yeah. stuff going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. Obviously, as there was with when Blaine cheated, there's mm-hmm. other things going on with Jake that caused him to cheat as well. But, uh, but I think that this is the beginning of that storyline that's gonna kind of wrap up when you get to a Katie or a Gaga and um, mm-hmm. that other one um, of people kind of looking at Jake and not giving him the benefit of the doubt that you would give to someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that's going on with those artists that he chooses. Chris Brown is a guilty pleasure because you feel guilty for enjoying his art because of mm-hmm. who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a lesson. And another that you could also bring up, Kay, is one of the things that really popped in my head was R. Kelly. And, Kelly, yeah, exactly. And the stuff that, and I mean, the stories that I've been hearing are just like just mind-boggling. But at the same They're time, insane. God damn it, I love it when I hear Darren List sing remix, ignition the remix. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I grew up listening to R. Kelly, but I also grew up knowing, like, hey, he. It's kind of a known fact that he's garbage, but his songs are classics. And you know, with with regards to the black community, I mean, look at Bill Cosby. The Cosby mm-hmm. Show is one of my favorite shows. Doesn't stop him from being garbage, but yeah. I'm also not going to ignore the legacy that he created. I know. I know, grew up listening. I grew up watching. Like when we grew up, it's like I actually I had HBO when we were growing. Up. I grew up watching Bill Cosby himself. I have that on DVD. I, that it's like yeah. that is classic Bill Cosby. To this day, it's like if I have chocolate cake for my birthday, it's like I'm having a Bill Cosby breakfast. Yeah, it's you know, Uptown <laughs> yeah. Saturday Night and Fat Albert and. And yes. all the stuff that he had, Mob Squad, all the things that he contributed, you know, don't, why does the Cosby show have to be yanked off the air, but Seventh Heaven still airs? Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just, I think that's where the storyline, I mean, Glee can be, for some reason, when it comes to stories about race, Glee never really comes outright and says yeah. it, mm-hmm. like it does with other stories. Yeah. But the story is in there, and this is part of it. Yeah. I liked how they showed two sides to the uh, to the argument with some people saying 
don't support an artist who's a terrible person and some people saying what di- like Jake was saying what difference does it make if two you know high school kids don't pay you know twenty dollars for the music and uh, and Marley's like every ocean starts with a drop of water and like I've like I've made a choice sometimes not to support problematic artists like I decided not to go to the Ender's Game movie because I worried that some of the money would go to you know homophobic charities and stuff but like you can't you can't keep track of everyone that's a problem and boycott everything and so I yeah I found the that plot really interesting with showing both perspectives when John Mayer I'm sorry Sorry, I was also going to say that one of the things that was interesting was a was a got a clap back was when Jake said, you know, it's like we've covered problematic artists. You know, Whitney Houston was problematic, and oh, I thought was it Marley is just like someone was just like you shut your damn mouth. Oh, it was Britney when he mentioned Britney. Oh yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> we did. Yes. And yes. funnily enough, people when he did Bobby Brown, and they're like, well, Bobby made Whitney a drug addict, and it's like, no, he didn't. First of all, her brother was the one that gave, her brother was the one that introduced her to drugs. And you don't make someone an addict. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And it takes away Whitney's agency and what ended up being her downfall. But what I was going to say was when John Mayer said that really racist stuff about his penis being a white supremacist, I deleted all of his music. Mm -hmm. And when Madonna said the N word on Instagram, I deleted all of her music. And then one day I was like, but they already have my money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's something. that you know I, I studied music in college and actually what we one of the things that we actually talked about was this very thing like where do you it's something that like you personally have to come and and draw your own lines with um like you can but it's also you have to be educated too like don't just consume things but be aware of what you're consuming and exactly. educate yourself on your art and I mean, it's okay to listen and enjoy a piece of music, but understand like if this is a problematic artist, you know, where are your lines and where, mm-hmm. you know, are you right. saying I'm not going to support this or I'm going to boycott this or I enjoy listening to this, but I'm not going to give money to them and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it is an right. interesting, there's no right or great answer for it right. but it is a conversation that i'm glad glee put out there to be honest with you so and yeah. it happens in every media you know and i think it, it, it often doesn't really have an impact on the influence it's only the conversation around it i mean all of these exactly these all of these artists are in varying degrees are incredibly influential in their field no matter what it is people are gonna do about what their behavior is right. they remain that way you just got to keep the conversation going Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and Hopefully it's the next guy won't do it. Yeah, there's a um, just a, kind of a, a, as in a different media thing. Um, I'm reading through the X-Men comic books right now, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the writer Scott Lobdell, who wrote X-Men from like 1995 to like 98 or something like that. And oh. he's not a great guy, kind of a jerk, an awful person. And but that story continue like you can't kind of you can skip through it, but there's so much good story and so much connecting story mm-hmm. that it's kind of like, okay, this, I'm not going to buy these issues, but I'm still going to read the story because it's enjoyable mm-hmm. and it connects all of these older stories to all of these newer stories. And it's kind oh. of hard not to, like, you can't just ignore that that's there. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I mean, it does happen. And, and, and the thing is Glee itself now has a problematic issue sure, because of, of Mark Salling. Mark. Exactly. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and as someone who was a big fan of Puck, 
you know, and I, I mean, it's come up on past podcasts when I'm like, you know, I love Puck's, I love Puckin, you know, whatever episode, but it's like weird to talk about how much I love this fictional character because the guy who plays him is so awful. Me and my sister have been watching oh. the jukebox um, ever since we decided to get drunk and watch, well, they got drunk and watch it. And we just kind of, when she comes home from work, we'll put on whatever disc and just kind of go through the jukebox or whatever. And it's come up a few times where it's like, damn, I like this character, you know, but it's mm-hmm. hard not to look at the actor and just be like, ugh. And that yeah, can be something, I'm... an asterisk on Glee. It's going to be two yeah. asterisks, you know, when it comes to Glee. It's going to be, you know, the loss of Corey and Mark Sally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got also, you know, listening to the music. Because, I mean, I'll listen to my, you know, my Glee playlist and a, a Puck song will come up. I mean, it's it's Mark Sally singing it. So, and I mean, and I love his rendition of No Surrender. And you know that Mark is this terrible person that did this terrible thing, but he was also such a good friend to Corey. And when he sang that, he was singing that about Corey when singing about Finn. Exactly. Mm -hmm. My sister's favorite original song was big ass heart. And when when that happened, she was like, I feel like I can't even like enjoy this Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to kind of keep it going, I have one small point until we, before we get to all the blam. Um, I just want to point out Tina as uh, the character from Small Wonder, which I vague I was very young when that was out. So I, I just but I do show. remember. I it. Barely, but I was Small remember. Wonder a real thing? Yeah. Yes, I, was. I love that show. It used to come on Saturday afternoons or something. It was like a show. It was like one of those yeah. syndicated. It was never on a network or anything. It so. And it wasn't very sense. long. It, like, it lasted like a season or two. But I remember the weird robot girl. That's I'm like, mm-hmm. why do I remember this? But anyway. I Okay, I thought they made that shit up. <laughs> oh no, that's very, very <laughs> real. Real damn thing. This is a problem <laughs> with... Uh, yeah, no. Oh, I never heard of that. But when you think about it, it's so strange. I, I was like, talking about it with my sister-in-law who moved to America when she was in like elementary school, so she had never heard of it. I'm like, well, they, this, there's this family and they have a little boy and instead of just having a daughter, they make a robot daughter. And then I'm like, when you explain that, it sounds so perverted. There's <laughs> some weird, wrong. weird sitcoms in the 80s and like yes, early 90s. And just like, what do you think about Elf too? Is just really, I don't even know. Harry and the Hendersons where they have like a pet Bigfoot that's like their friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was based on a movie. I like the movie, but I like the show. Yeah. And then there's movie Short Circuit, which, okay, hella problematic. Fisher Stevens, I can never look at him straight the same way again to even taking that role. Growing up, but yeah, hello. Like, I don't know if it's. I did love Johnny Five is Alive. Yeah, but that is a white man in brown face playing Indian. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, go to some really fun things, and let's talk about the blam and the craziness in this episode. So um, to kick it off, we have this opening scene where um, basically Blaine is concerned about Sam's uh, stealing some pasta. And I kind of love that Blaine first opens his little monologue by saying he was cutting 15 seconds off of his um, usual routine. routine. By cutting what is his routine? <laughs> well, he's the member of 115 <laughs> clubs. <laughs> and he has Glee Club. He, he needs those 15 seconds where he can get him, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's got like, no wonder when him and Kurt broke up and it was like Blaine was late. And I just have this idea that Blaine is just perpetually late because he has so much shit in his day. 
Blaine would never be late. I was gonna say I can never imagine Blaine being late. But how could how could Blaine be late? He was late he to was, work. He was late to um to Glee Club that one time when everybody fussed out during you know puppet was it puppet master? Yeah, he was. He, he was hallucinating then. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but I no, see... it was awesome when he came in. It's just like you know this is what we need to do, and everyone was just like quit being so bossy, Blaine. It was. I always figured Blaine would be one of those people with like three watches. Permanently punctual, like, exactly. Yeah, like um, yeah. a bunch of yeah. different, I don't know. Doesn't Kurt say freaking in that watch? Doesn't Kurt say in that scene, why am I always the first to arrive? Yeah. Yeah, but that's, I feel like that's, a, I don't know. But that doesn't mean that Blaine is late. I don't know. Yeah, not really. Right. early. As You're someone right. who's perpetually early, it doesn't always mean the other person is late. This is true. Mm. This is very true. And like I think Blaine maybe, needed. like, if it was by five minutes and Kurt was just already kind of ready to be pissed about that, so. But let's That's keep it on a happier note. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Blaine needs 15 <laughs> seconds. I like how that scene, isn't that the same cafeteria lady he took the tops from? I don't, but was like, there a cafeteria lady there? Walks through? Oh, I don't and remember. Does he, like, wave it? I will put this episode on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, no, I watched it yesterday, but I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I just watched it like two hours ago, and I don't remember. I like <laughs> how, yeah, uh, okay. I like how uh, Blaine brings up the subject to Sam by putting money in his hand and saying, "Don't tell anyone, and you don't have to thank me." And it comes off as like really sneaky. <laughs> and then, like later in the same episode, Rachel puts money in Brody's hand and says, "I want to oh, buy dinner yeah. with you because what's yeah. the cost of a, a male hooker?" And, oh, okay, uh, it's on. And it's like the exact same action in both. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hold on. That's a lot. Nice I'm really hoping that well, maybe Blaine might be thinking he's like, look, I don't want you to go back to stripping. So yeah, <laughs> well, sure he does. I'm looking at sure it now. Well, or he does want to go got it. <laughs> well, the funny thing he is, that there's bumps this... into the lunch lady, and it's the same one he took the tops from. And there's another lunch lady walking through the background. Oh, mystery yeah. solved. Also, uh, I don't know why that wad of cash was so big to be fifty dollars. Maybe it was all singles from stripping. Maybe Blaine's been stripping. <laughs> Maybe Cooper's been stripping and sending him cash. <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, so we get the, that uh, that uh, he doesn't really need money, um, but that he has for his own guilty pleasure, or his art teacher says that this is his guilty pleasure that he makes really awesome art macaroni. And, and I, um, yeah, and I was wondering if anyone else knows a connection between the people he made art of, because there's like Emma Stone, Duck mm-hmm. Dynasty, Ralph yep. Macchio from Karate Kid, and Kurt, and um, Leanne Rimes, and, and Leanne, Leanne Rimes. Rimes. But yeah. Le- like Leanne Rimes is, is she still country? Um, and I don't know. Maybe this not all has really to do anymore. with. Oh, not really. I'm like maybe trying to like sam's like country-ish background with like duck dynasty and everything but yeah, i don't, I don't know yeah I think southern honestly i don't think leanne really even does does she even do music anymore i was no, gonna she ask people's husbands. Husband. she did anything she does people's husbands <laughs> well, <laughs> well <then. laughs> of it all. speaking of problematic <laughs> yeah she, it's like yeah she's gone into full-time home wrecking so she doesn't have time to make music oh yeah. boy Look, I don't. I didn't. I, 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 you can't fault anybody in this economy. 
<laughs> what well what honestly what happened with Leanne Rhymes is she peaked too early. She was like one of these teenage phenoms and mm-hmm. when and she Sorry. just she couldn't care she could then, you know, when she had to compete with Shania and Faith and Martina McBride and Reba Mac- <clears throat> just she couldn't compete. Now do you Nobody think there could be with Reba? Okay, is there a connection between these these noodle arts? I was going to say, are they guilty pleasurists? I mean, I can see Leanne Rimes being a guilty pleasure and Duck Dynasty being... Emma Stone's not a guilty pleasure in Duck Dynasty. No, she's kind of adorable. I don't know. I mean, I love land, but she's kind of And who doesn't like the Karate Kid? I mean, come on. Yeah. I've never seen it. I don't know. I don't... Oh, man. Karate Kid is good. Duck Dynasty, you can skip. Yeah. I've never seen Duck Dynasty, but I do love the rough macho. Um, and the Kurt one is purposeful, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so that it would be Kurt. So, do you yeah. think that you can have Kurt? What do you think Kurt's reaction to that macaroni art would be? I look I great don't... in macaroni. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we already know. He got my good angle. He's got, he got my good size. Yeah, um, I mean, at least we know what Chris would think that Kurt would say about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, I know a lot of people were upset that there wasn't any clean in this episode, but there is just there's all these little moments and these little edits and little things pointing to clean that I'm like, yeah. I feel like it's not completely gone in this episode. I feel like there's just a lot of things pointing to that. I mean, Blaine when he's like, "Oh, the macaroni really brings out the." Kurt didn't really want Blaine to know about his boyfriend pillow. That's all the clean I needed. so i this is the rare perfect episode of glee i don't know what people were complaining about yeah yeah so but i like i just like how Blaine gets so little quiet he's like oh kurt in macaroni (laughs) has anyone noticed this kind of art thing running through with sam because he wanted to take quinn to color me mine and come back (laughs) and he does the macaroni art and then um he tells rachel in season six that he he blows glass Oh, that's right. Oh, right. He, oh, that's right. He likes to work with his hands. Hobby thing for him, though. It's not something. I think it's one of those background things that Glee is actually somewhat consistent on. They're yeah. like, let's make Sam really good at art, but not do anything with it. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of the kind of like an arts and, and like an arts and crafts kind of thing. Like he probably spends a lot of time. I won't say Hobby Lobby. I'll say Michaels. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. And he has a little brother and sister, so I can imagine. You know, a lot of popsicle projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of clothespin dolls. And when the kids got a diorama due for class, they're like, let's get Sam to help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Sam does the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. My mom would say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom would literally put me out of the room while she did my project for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to leave the room. Otherwise, I would do the same thing for mine. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so the scene continues and. You know, I this whole time I never really noticed it until I sat back and watched it. Sam is trying to sp- spends this entire episode trying to get Blaine to tell his secret that he already knows. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Yeah, this is my guilty pleasure. What is yours?" He's trying <laughs> to be a supportive friend. Say no more. Say no more. It's like, <laughs> like you have anything you want to tell me, Blaine? Uh, wham! I love Wham. Oh, Wham! I love Wham. Wham rhymes with Sam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that reminds me of the Anchorman when he goes, I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and so then, true, it does. 
does Blaine really love Wham, or was that just the first thing that popped in his head? I think I I don't know. I bet he does. Yeah, I, I bet he's he does have, too. We're gonna have to go. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. yes, but in that moment when he's like staring at Sam's lips, it was an easy like, oh yeah, Wham. See, Sam, I told wham, you it, yeah. it it rhymes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Like Leanne um, rhymes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, though, I think that Blaine would really like Wham. I mean, oh, yeah, too. we are, I mean, this is about the time that, you know, at that point, George Michael was out. And so Hat was, had some, was, you know, amongst many other gay icons. And that, the, the thing and about 80s, Wham. 80s music oh, was retro when this was out, right? It yeah, was still, yeah, it was yeah, like sure. oldies music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an so we already know that technically, well, wait, no, we learned earlier that Kurt had actually auditioned with the same Wayne yes. song. With an acoustic right. version of Wayne before you go. That. So <laughs> Blaine sent Kurt Gilmore Girls box sets. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with Gilmore Girls, but the town where they live, uh, Stars Hollow, had a town troubadour that would just be playing music in the background. Uh-huh. And in one episode, the troubadour is playing. Wait, is playing Wake Me Up Before You Go Go on acoustic guitar. <laughs> oh, I love it. That is a deep cut cake. <laughs> <Yes, laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Glee writers did not do that on purpose. No, I'm sure they didn't, but it's just, I was just like, wait a minute. It's so the best accident you, ever. If you want me to go like all Charlie from It's Always Sunny with like the conspiracy theory threads and everything, Victor Garber. <laughs> who played Will's dad in the first season of Glee, previously starred on Eli Stone, which was one of the pre-Glee attempts at doing musicals on television. And that was Tay Diggs on that show? I think he was. I want to say Tay Diggs was in that. Am I imagining a different show? I'm going to look it up. It's Johnny Johnny Lee Miller starred in it. I remember that show. Yeah, and and they played all this George Michael stuff, and George Michael would pop up. And yes, I remember that. Dream. You could have these dreams where, like, George Michael would be singing and people would break out into song. Now, here's something that I think might have been intentional on the on the behalf of Ryan Murphy. The mm. thing about Wham is that George Michael and Andrew Ridgely were high school friends; they were best friends. And Andrew Ridgely is straight, and George mm. Michael's, pop, you know, we know he was gay. Mm, so yeah. I like that little connection. To There's your parallel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. There you go. And I feel no. like that might have been an intentional choice. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should uh, mention Tina when she comes in. And she's like, Will is gone, which is great because this episode, I think, works because Will Schuster is not in it. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then <laughs> Sam's reaction to the whole vapo rape thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go over there and uh, rub stuff on his chest? She's like, that was a face. I, no. <laughs> I feel like they'll be 35 years old. But this and is how teenagers tease each other. Yeah, exactly. They'll be a high school reunion and still bring that up. Exactly. But also, Blaine seems to be fine with that. You know, he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He, he's so, like, look, she didn't actually, like, do anything. And it felt good and he got better. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, not bothered. Neither am I. Um, so, the next section is that and since Will's gone, Sam and Blaine take it upon themselves to create a uh, uh, Guilty Pleasures Week. And we're not going to talk about the shorts that Blaine was wearing in that video? Well, yeah, we're going to get that. That was a video, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the scene before that. 
where he's announcing it and everybody is just like groaning. Artie has so much shade throughout this entire episode. He's like, really guys? But I love that there's this undercurrent of like, they're like, we have something we really want to share with you. And half of them are like, are you going to come out? Y'all are totally groaning, aren't you? I get completely convinced that Jake and Ryder think that Sam and Blaine have been boning this entire time. I like how Blaine is super awkward and he's like, we were just, you know, shooting the crap like two bros. Like a couple of bros. He is so so adorable in that scene. You're trying so hard to play straight and you're so failing at it. Oh man! I also love when when one of them says we're gonna do a theme, and Brittany's like, "I hope it's sweaters." Oh my god! I wrote that down. What is this? I so hope it's sweaters. <laughs> Where's the oh. song that Brittany and Blaine oh. write together about sweaters? <laughs> there oh my god! I want that. Oh my god! <laughs> gimme, gimme, gimme! Oh, um, I remember when this episode came out and some of the younger Glee fans were confused by the Choose Life shirt. And, uh, oh, yeah. They all started yeah. like, like, are they anti-abortion? I'm like, no, no. Yeah, that's and not I, what Choose Life was, meant back in the 80s. And I did some, I did some reading so I'd be able to, to talk about it, how the shirts were designed oh, by sure. Catherine, Catherine Hamnet as an anti-war statement. And then they were used in the Wake Me Up Before You Go Go video as like uh, anti-drugs, anti-teen suicide, and like as a as a thing about like spreading education about AIDS and uh and basically yeah life is better than death and it was later co-opted by the anti-abortion movement mm-hmm. and the, the woman who designed the shirts was really upset about that because she's pro-choice and mm-hmm. um oh. and I thought that was really interesting and it's kind of weird that that everyone associates that phrase with anti-abortion stuff now um well, Context thing is very important. Yeah, that wasn't a thing in the 80s, man. Yeah, context is very important because the 80s was also that time where they were very much like they're coming out of the 70s where everyone was high out of their mind. And so the 80s was very much. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The 80s was very much about, like, you know, just say no to drugs. And we had PSA commercials like that kid with the fried egg. Every mm-hmm. Thursday, we had a police officer come for our Dare to Say No program. Like, mm-hmm. the 80s were very much that, like, when the war on drugs, quote-unquote, started. And so that, you know, yeah. that was part of it. Well, it wasn't that That's the so Nancy weird. Reagan program? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To say No, mm-hmm. whatever that crap. Yeah. Oh, God. I remember Nancy Dare Reagan stuff. showing up on what on um, Different Strokes. Yep. I remember, like, this very special episode of Different Strokes, and Nancy Reagan popped in to do her Just Say No crap. But um, speaking of, I think that we're past the we're way past overdue for a a Facts of Life musical. I just wanted to say that. I know we're not talking about New York, but oh um, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. Somebody, and I do. (laughs) Yeah, just real quickly though, I do want to point out that I can understand the confusion of her Choose Life because where I live, it's like it seems like every third damn license plate is a Choose Life license plate. And I might add that the Choose Life drivers are the worst fucking drivers everywhere across my entire life and i live in alabama you know and it's kind of interesting to me that they don't like all of these teenagers kind of just accept it where i think you know i think if this you know wasn't trying to be like high school in the 80s um that a lot of those kids would be like what are you guys wearing like this is a little weird but then yet they just hop into the music video and don't even really question anything but i think for people that weren't familiar with it i can see why like if you didn't grow up with this music video or this slogan back then, it'd be right. it would be very jarring and like what yeah. is going on. Yeah, and the on? thing is, it's, it seems so okay, not Glee. Ryan, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan Murphy and like the writers, you know, when they grew up, you know, they grew up in the eighties and choose life was, you know, what it was original intent. They haven't spent the last 20 years in the deep South where choose life means something totally freaking different. Mm -hmm. True. I mean, yeah, he and right. Ryan and I are this exact same age. So yeah. I wonder if um, Blaine and Sam used the same uh, um, press machine to make those shirts as the, um, uh, you know, the born, the born this way, way shirts. Yeah. Yeah. They probably just need to ask her. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. Is she, she's, this is oh this is after Girls and Boys on film. So. Yeah, this is post. Yeah, she's yeah. Back. Back. Yep. So. Um, so yeah, who would like to talk about Wake Me Up Before You Go Go? Um, it's me, everyone me, looks me. so pretty in their neon colors. Yes, they looked very nice. The shorts were awesome, and the band is so into it. And the black no. light, you know. The only thing that disappoints me is, you know, it's like I remember the videos so vividly i was one of those stupid girls who a thought she was straight and so she thought had a crush on george michael who she thought was straight later on of course he's gay and i'm Sorry. bi so get ready to go but <laughs> there was that moment where he's just kind of like he's got his arms wrapped around himself like he's cold or something it's like cold out there but it's warm in bed and he looks up and it was just like why didn't they get blaine to do that <laughs> i know exactly what shot you're talking about i yes <laughs> I had this album on 40, I had this uh, single on 45 when I was a little kid. Yeah. I, uh, I, had to, I had that, so. I remember there being a post, uh, a reaction post. I can't remember who wrote it, though, talking about, like, can you imagine Blaine going into the drugstore and buying the blacklight nail polish and, like, being <laughs> excited about it? <laughs> oh, man. There was a lot of meta at the time about Blaine and femininity and performance and mm -hmm. like costumes and yeah. I was I just like that, that was half my wardrobe in junior high. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> oh. um, my my five year old niece uh, Emma loves this song and I think it's because it's so bright and colorful and mm -hmm. everybody's just running around. She loves it like it's so cheerful. Uh, it's so cheerful. She, mm -hmm. she likes really bright, cheerful things. Yes. And this is like a Disney animated movie. She's like, yes, I want that. I want to dance. So, Yeah, it's hard to be sad when this song Ooh. is playing. What? I mean, hey, you it was, kind of it, I was sad bit. to hear yeah. it after he... Oh. So it's kind of hard to be sad when this song is playing, although I was a little sad hearing it the first time after George Michael passed away. Yeah. But yeah, that was is terrible. Just, yeah, this song is just so joyful, and it's just fun. Yeah. yeah. Your comment about the band members reminded me of something, though. During the Spice Girls number, for whatever reason, the drummer just looks bored. He's just like, why am I here <laughs> yeah. doing this? I'm like, what? He's the new Brad. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah he looks like... He's not rolling There's only eyes. one Brad, people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... But no, I just, I loved it. It just, it took me all the way, it took me back to middle school days, and it was just absolutely my my favorite thing probably my favorite thing glee has ever done oh yeah awesome. it, whoa that's a bold statement <laughs> <laughs> I, it, yes it is and i'm and i'm talking about like i mean now i'm not rating it above baby it's cold outside or you know anything like or you know and i'm not rating it above okay it might tie with defying gravity <laughs> not gonna lie i'm rating it above all of those this is up there with run joey run for me 
Oh, that's a really great one. There was a, I praise. There was a day where I was just freaking miserable. I don't know what happened at work, but I was literally on the couch, a pile of person, under a blanket, like just like sobbing. And then my sister comes in and she turns on the Netflix and she put on this episode to cheer me up. That's Aww. just how much fun hmm. I. That's a good like, sister. She tried. Aww. <laughs> but this episode is just so joyful. It makes me happy. Except for um, the part that we're not going to talk about this, but I always forget this is in the episode is the Rachel Brody breakup and then they sing Creep. Yeah. <laughs> That's cheerful. I've gone to look from a specific angle that could be cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like... I skipped that scene. Oh, uh, yeah. Were, yeah. I, I just find yeah. the song pretty boring. But... I think the yeah. guilty pleasure in that would I... be liking anybody other than Radiohead singing that song. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was just about to say. Except for I'm David Cook. Even, um, David uh, Cook this... with his old band Axiom did a really good, did a good cover of it. Yeah. But other I'm not than that, as big of a Radiohead fan as most of the people in my age group are. But even I was like, okay, that's sacred. You, ju- yeah. you just don't do that. Yeah. Okay, There's so nothing sacred. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, not. it would be like like it would be like Rachel and Brody when it comes to like music. Nirvana's all apologies. It's just wrong. Well, let's not forget that <laughs> I Sam hear that. and Britney did whole. Yeah, and Will Schuster yes. has the nerve to sing Prince. <laughs> the only damn Prince song they ever did on that show. The yeah, that is mitigated really sad, to destroy <laughs> that song. Well, I'm sure they couldn't get the rights to anything else. Prince they probably had to beg for right. that one. Prince didn't even have his stuff on YouTube till he died. Prince yeah, they had to not beg for share, that. Sure. Yeah, he does not. She did not share easily. So yeah. If you get the privilege to be able to cover a Prince song, I'm gonna need you to step up and do better than what they did. <laughs> yeah. I will well, never you, be over it. You I mean, didn't like it God, at all. I mean, just do the Tom Jones version at least, or something. Like, <laughs> at least. I'm oh. Tango, and then with two of my least favorite characters ever. <laughs> and let's not ignore that Prince is a countertenor, and the show has a countertenor on there. <laughs> okay, Kay, so let's, let's no, take you back to, to happy places. Oh, go ahead. We'll just say this real quickly, Kay. Do you realize that if, if Chris Colfer had sung Prince, we all would have died, and Glee's ratings would have plummeted, because we would all be dead. <laughs> oh, just imagine man. seeing the beautiful ones. <gasps> don't do that to me <laughs> okay so moving on um, we're going to the locker room and I love that, that you, okay, I love that Glee has changed so much because before they used to kind of do more of the male gaze and there's always women in like bikinis and whatever and now it's really like all these half naked guys walking around this scene just because they can and it just cracks me up and um, I like how Sam tells Blaine to put some pants they on and we and we have established by now that Sue makes him wear a thong underneath that you know <laughs> I was just about to say did anyone see the is it by art? now Blade yeah. standing there in the yep. Someone made fan art of that, and it was hilarious. Yeah. And you, and Jamie, I agree that blind cracks me up every time I hear it. Like, <laughs> put some pants on. <laughs> put some pants on. I'm gonna talk to you. Um, <laughs> fuck, I had a question. Sure. I got distracted. I don't know what it is. I'm sure I'll blurt it out in the middle of nothing. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> um, Obviously. But- <laughs> I also like Sam's like I, I have I have to like tell you the secret and then 
Artie is listening in on this entire conversation. <laughs> he's a creeper. He's curious. He's and then creeper. the Barry Manilow stuff is, and then he's judgy. And then it's just like Artie in the background of this whole scene is really funny. Because <laughs> he like stops lifting his weights to kind of be like, he's like that person who has to turn the volume down to parallel part. No, like, but the best part is stop. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like it's Blaine. Funny. He's so good at awkward. He's like, do you have, Feeling you're feeling, he's all like looking so, around and, nervously. And, and Sam, my best, the best part. No, but so much worse than that. It's a hundred <laughs> times worse than that. <laughs> oh, like it doesn't matter. That doesn't now, matter. Now, does anyone want to comment on the on the fact? And uh, is it a fact or is it just assumption that at some point it wasn't supposed to be Barry Manilow? Is it going to be Taylor Swift? Was it really? Thank I didn't know God that. it was Barry Manilow. Yeah, really. I, think I remember reading Ugh. somewhere that originally it was supposed to be Taylor Swift and something happened with music licensing. That it's so much better as Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah Manilow is so much better. Like, I mean, I can't even. Bears is what happened. <laughs> that be that fair, I, I would like see Copacabana. Yeah. I, I would have preferred Mandy. That was the first or, no, I, this was great. I love Copacabana because they acted it all out. Yes, everyone was involved. I mean, the 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 background stuff is amazing. Everybody jumping around, it's the best. And I am I am of the school of what can I listen to on my iPod five years from now? God damn it, I wanted Mandy. It's gonna be Mandy reminds me of Angel. What? Okay, so oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah, Angel. Raise your hand if you're a fan of Oh. Not well. I used to be when I was ten, but that would have been really long time ago. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a fan of. I mean, I'm a fan of his music. I'll sing it at karaoke. I'm not about to turn it off when it comes on the radio. My mom I was w- a fan of. Yeah, I was gonna say I my mom was too. Songs. My mom was a huge like. She got when we were watching <coughs> when I watched it with her a couple years ago, and we were watching through everything, and she got so excited. She's like, "Yeah, Barry Manilow, let's do this!" And then she's singing Copacabana with them, and it, yeah, it was really fun. So there was a, a guy. There was, a, there was a guy I used to date that sang Copacabana at karaoke, like, all the damn time. Oh, he yeah. was one of those first people that only sang the same song at karaoke? Yeah. And I also, and the thing is, it's like, when we were dating, I would also, he would sing Copacabana, and we would also duet on, on uh, if, I could, if I Could Close My Eyes Forever by Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my that, God. I want video of that. That was that fun. Sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Oh, but, but no, but, um, and Barry Manilow, he was on like Jimmy Fallon, I think a couple of months ago where they just kind of ran through all of his greatest hits and it was so great. Oh, fun. Oh, but, that sounds fun. I only know um, those two songs. Yeah. Mandy really and like, Yeah. Weekend New England is still, is my absolutely favorite. It's like, when will our eyes meet? Okay, my daughter is sitting next to me, and she's insisting that I talk about her right now. And I so I have a story to tell you guys. Okay, because as many, many some of you know, some of you may not know, I we did not watch Glee until after season five was over. So I mm-hmm. never saw an episode. Well, actually, I saw one episode of the show in season five. Hilariously, it was the City of Angels. Um, but the only the first episode she ever saw <laughs> of Glee was this episode, Guilty Pleasures. And we were on a field trip to Salem, Massachusetts, and she. We were in the hotel room and she was in the room with whatever her her friends and she came out of the shower right into Copacabana. <laughs> and that was her oh, very wow. first experience with Glee. Wow. At all. So anyway. Wow. I'm Did she always... like it or was she like, no? <laughs> she was like, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't 
that sounds legit. Yeah. <laughs> I like the end of it where everybody's like, yes, and we're a fan of low. And, Bar- and, and Artie's like, yes, I'm a fan of low. Like, whatever he says. It's just, oh, oh. <laughs> just cracks me up. And Sam's like, really? You guys really like it? <laughs> and everyone's going to say, no, lying. You suck. No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right, so our next blam, all of my scenes are like blam in the locker room, blam here, blam there, blam in the library. That's why I spend a lot of time with blam in the locker room. Blam, blam, blam. Sorry, Sorry, I'm (laughs) crossing over with how I met your mother and how I'm so bang, 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 going blam. That's okay. Blam, 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 blam. I said blam, 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 blam. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, because RB, whenever she can sing that song, she will. So, um, so yeah, they're in the library, and I have—I don't know if you guys remember—Blaine is reading Goosebumps, and I have those books. The the Goosebumps one. Yeah, I have Goosebumps. I have his Goosebumps books from the auction. Oh, oh, oh wow, that's so Ooh. Nice. Oh, you have those Goosebumps. I have those books. I yeah, had books. like collection. No, 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 I have those. I was Sadly, like awkwardly, but that's great. <laughs> like a lot of people. No, 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 I have those Goosebumps books. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so anyway, go on. No, it's okay. And um, Arl Stein tweeted <laughs> tweeted after a lot of the fans said, hey, Blaine's reading Arl Stein. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's such a great character. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, it was, it was um, I always knew that girl had taste. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, Awkward. I'm like, dude, you, you just, if you don't watch the show, just, just, just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Or just say thank yeah. you. Like, that's awesome. Say, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, just thank you, Glee, for Or who's Blaine? Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... How often do we get people actually reading on this show, though? Like, it's. <laughs> well, to be amazing? fair, I mean, you don't really um, see a lot of reading because if. I mean, you don't see a lot of reading. Club. They don't read in Glee Club. No. Not to mention it visually, it's kind of boring to watch people read. So. Yeah. It but... would just be a lot of, you know, staring at someone while they're staring at a book. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be. They to could be take fair, their though, clothes off and put them in the locker room. We do get scenes of people <laughs> watching TV, which is also boring to watch. So. But they're always talking think... over the show. So. Yeah. Watching people read, at least if it's me, is entertaining because you just want to count down to when I drop the book on my face. I don't know. <laughs> I will say on Lost, Sawyer reading was always very entertaining, but that's just a whole different thing. So. I think it's a whole idea of Sawyer reading. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the whole point of this is that um, Sam is once again saying, hey, I did. What's your guilty pleasure, pleasure, dude? Yeah. What's There's another guilty pleasure? pleasure. What else? He's like, I told you everything. And I like how Sam is like, now it's time for you to walk the walk, pilgrim. And he's like, because <laughs> he always does an impression when he's like nervous. When he's nervous. Think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, or he doesn't understand something, or like he's awkward yeah. in some way. He doesn't. Okay, so mm-hmm. I guess this is a good time to ask you guys this question: okay. Why mm. do you think that Sam is pushing so hard for Blaine to come clean? Because I think he, he doesn't think want Blaine that, to feel bad about it. He knows yeah. that Blaine is anxious about it, and he like yeah. wants him to feel better and know that Sam it's okay. Is a good guy. He's a good, yeah, he's a good friend, and he's really good at reading people. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he's got an emotional he, intelligence that a lot of the other characters lack, and I think you can tell that Blaine's holding something back. Yeah, he is incredibly intuitive. And Tina probably told him, and so he's just trying to get him to yeah. pass the <laughs> That too. <laughs> that's she, that. she told everyone everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
especially during the you know whole crush thing i could definitely mm-hmm. see her maliciously telling sam that oh yeah, yeah. it's true you know so so yeah it's um, probably that too so i think we can just skip against all odds because i I don't think anybody has anything to say about it. And, um, <laughs> First off, let me point out something. Do when we need to take said, turns? <laughs> let, let me start because I'm just going to kind of sure. talk about kind of no, how no, no, it's fine. can be considered a guilty pleasure. When they when we got the spoilers of what songs were going to be done this week, I screamed when I saw Against All Odds because before I was a Glee fan, I was an American Idol fan. And against all odds has been the downfall of many an American Idol contestant. Really? So it has been. It's like, it's one of those, it is on that list. There's like a list of songs where it's just like, just don't bother covering this unless you don't want to be the American Idol. And against all odds is one of them. I wish I could remember the name, the contestant. So according to the American Idol site, What Not to Sing, against all odds is tied with I Have Nothing as the most performed song on American Idol. Wow. It is average. And it will send you home. And for the record, Glee nailed them both. Yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Scott Save... Do anyone remember Scott Saveall? I've never seen American Idol. Yeah, Scott Saveall barely scraped through. There was just so many, so many bad, bad renditions of it. I think probably one of the big ones, Corey Clark, who I think Corey Clark was the one that claimed he had an affair with Paula Abdul or something like that. Yes, uh, I remember him. Yeah. Paige Miles. That was the one that actually, it's like, okay, so it, people actually got through with that song, but they have low ratings. Paige Miles was the one. She was in Final 11, and she got eliminated with that song. So that's, okay, so enough American Idol. Um, but <laughs> that is, but that was one of those things where it's, to me, it was almost like a guilty pleasure but it was like, I think there was a lot of tie. I, I assumed there was like some kind of tie-in because, you know, Glee and American Idol are on the same mm-hmm. on network and everything. And in fact, it, it, for a long time, it was the lead-in for Glee. Or, so, so that just always, just always laughed my ass off on that. That plus, I mean, compared to a lot of other uh, Phil Collins' stuff, that one is just like one of his really melodramatic songs. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question real quick, though. Did Darren do this one live? Yeah, yeah, this is one yes. of the few songs yeah. that was uh, they used a live performance on the on the soundstage mm-hmm. with yeah, all okay. the actors there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was like this one and the uh, the piano mm-hmm. version Dream's of Dream, and then um, Dream um, and suddenly see more. Yeah, yeah. did he do? Was um, the ending of season five one? Um, all of me all was of that me. Live? Did not. People thought no, he did. Wasn't. He did. I, oh, okay. I, all of me wasn't. Okay. So. okay. Um, and then there was, he did part of um, Not While I'm Around. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which, oh, really? Oh, wait. Yeah, speaking the of part in the Sondheim, when he, when he was doing the, like, uh, thing for Whoopi Goldberg, that part of it, not the part when he was in the hospital. Right. Yeah. I think he... Oh, the one yeah. in, the, in the room. Yes. In the round room. The round room. Yep. Okay, Kay. What, what did you want to say? You're about to get the I'm just going to crack my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take a breath. Shake it out. Okay. <laughs> this song is not about Kurt, and that's all fucking K. All right? It is okay that it's not about Kurt. It's about Sam because it's about Blaine's fear 
of what would happen if Sam found out that he had a crush on him. Now, back in Dynamic Duets, he's saying, could you love me with my dark side? And let me, I need to pull up the lyrics for Against All Odds because it's like, no, you didn't really know me. Like, no one really knows me or you really know me or something like that. Yeah, and you're the only one that really knew me. Exactly. So here we have, well, when their friendship started, we had Blaine afraid that no one would love him or care for him once they knew mm-hmm. the bad thing he did. And then Sam came along and did love him and care for him as a friend, even knowing what Blaine did. So he's singing the song, afraid that one of the few people who really know him, because right now I think you can count on one hand people who Look. really know Blaine. And I don't even necessarily count Tina in that group. He's afraid he's going to lose that. If this one thing comes out, the song is about his fear of losing Sam. It has nothing to do with Kurt, and it's okay that it has nothing to do with Kurt. It doesn't mean he loves Kurt any less. He just that it's not about him for once. It's totally about Sam. Know. I think it's pretty obvious. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't it even, is. I don't even know how you can argue the other way. No, no, no it is. And tried, and I'd like to circle. They're back wrong to something very quickly. Um, when we talked about you know how Tina were where we we jokingly said Tina probably already told Sam, but no, Tina probably did. Because yeah. Tina's, I think, just a, still a little bit pissed off about having her whole crush kind of, you know, done for and it's like, you know, she mm-hmm. might be still a little bitter. But I don't, going back I don't to know. the very beginning. Her being malicious about it, but um oh. well, How, I, however, I, I, this is another thing that redeemed Kitty for me is when <laughs> Tina was very, very tellingly going, So who was that song about, Blaine? And Kitty just smacked her and said, Shut the hell up. <laughs> I kind exactly. of and if Blaine had been ready to say something to Sam before Tina did that because like he looked like nervous and he did the whole song all emotionally and then he stood up and then as soon as Tina said that he's like this is about Kurt obviously so I I do wonder if he was if he changed his mind about what he was going to say I'd also um, like to remind not you guys but like anybody who's still having issues even though it's been years and you guys really need to let some things go um that (laughs) (laughs) that um that uh blaine is melodramatic he is a teenager and he is blaine and he's extremely dramatic you're right yeah yeah. it's it's it doesn't matter that he sings this to sam it doesn't matter like he needs to express himself through song which he does all the time and he does so dramatically all the time and yeah, what Kay said, he's it gonna, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. He's going to have depth there's, of feeling about anyone. There's a reason he's of. the new Rachel. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just and as I mean, melodramatic as her. He's menstruating. <laughs> and I think songs that sometimes I think are a little inappropriate. It's just like, you know, when he sang cough syrup, thinking it was inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, reminds me of someone wrote a fic where, oh, I can't remember what it was. What the fic? Well, essentially, the fic was Blaine sings a song, and so he decides to sing "Today" by the Smashing Pumpkins, and then everybody thinks he's suicidal. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! He's like, no, it's not today. the greatest day I've ever known. We're like, Blaine, that's not what the song's about. <laughs> I want to read that. <laughs> but yeah, Blaine just—he has a lot of feelings. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff in this episode about coming out in the dialogue. Like uh, Blaine tells. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam to come out to everyone about liking Barry Manilow, and uh, after after this song, he's Blaine is like, I am no longer in the closet about my love for Phil Collins. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so 
I, I just the, the, oh sorry can I keep talking over you I was gonna say about Kitty I think Blaine is one of I don't think we've ever heard Kitty actually insult Blaine uh yeah uh she did, yeah or I can't think of any line about the, yeah that I yeah, just that's it and he had that coming though oh but that's coming <laughs> up that's after he had that one coming <laughs> but that's um, five yeah, that's in season five. Oh, that's in yeah. um, the Puppet Master when mm-hmm. when he oh, gets all like right. But uh, no, Controlling. I do. I like that. I think this particular episode uh, on a kind of a quick side tangent is trying to redeem Kitty a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. obviously they're already going towards the Artie Kitty relationship. They're trying to mm-hmm. get these newbies integrated a little bit more, and so I think this one starts a lot of the humanizing of her. So mm-hmm. I agree. But yeah, with um, against all odds, I think. Also, at the time, um, I think there was a lot of people who were on edge of wanting more clean stuff all the time. And, you know, this is another thing that wasn't clean. So we want to just want it to be about clean. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad we are actually so far past that because now you can just enjoy it for the story that it is. And, yeah, it doesn't need to be so fandom angsty. Their story, I think, got a lot more interesting after they broke up. Personally. I agree. I like both of their breakups because I learned Blaine yeah. is my favorite character, but I didn't know anything about him until him and Kurt broke up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you mm-hmm. really had something to root for. Like, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think it was well, obvious they were going to send them back together, but yeah. you could really. Well, and you guys already all know how I feel about season three, so I won't even go into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel the same way. But, but yeah. Let's uh, really appreciate the fact that Blaine likes Phil Collins. Actually, I do think he probably does, too. I think that Phil Collins yeah. is freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, he also likes Brian Ferry. That yeah. reminds me. Jumping back to the, the Barry Manilow stuff, um, I love the little rant by Sam, who like is t- naming off all these uh, Barry Manilow songs. Mm-hmm. And like they're completely ridiculous. And he's like, they speak right to me. But it's like about the guy <laughs> being shot and stuff like that. <laughs> It's another <laughs> funny moment that so he reminds yeah. me of Sam and his love of true checks and VP. <laughs> <laughs> Once they let Cord be funny, yeah, like Sam exactly. like totally bloomed as like the MVP of that show. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. what I was saying when we did Sadie Hawkins is the writers they sometimes don't find a character and until they let parts of the actor kind of inform the character and trust me i follow cord on social media you should see his instagram videos and his snapchat yeah, it's pretty funny he is mm-hmm. he is so random speaking <laughs> of letting people be funny we we never mentioned how hilarious Ryder was in the background of like the, oh, um, the spice girls song and oh. everything uh he's just what? like he's enjoying it so much jumping up and down yeah, in the Spice Girls song. Sometimes I think Ryder is, like, trying to also do his, like, his inner... Because remember how Ryder was supposed to be kind of the new Finn? He treats chairs with the same disregard <laughs> that Finn did quite a bit. Finn versus coffee and Finn versus chairs. Yeah. Those oh, are man. things I'm always going to miss. <laughs> yeah, Ryder um, has some really hilarious background moments. He does, you know, I general. really enjoy Ryder as a background character, to be honest with you. Because he gets, I remember in like in the Katie and the Gaga episode that we'll get to in season five when he's like, Will is like, everybody's a Katie or a Gaga. And, and Ryder's like, is there a third option? Like, yeah, that, just, made me, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> some really great one-liners I, I just I, I guess I prefer when they don't focus on him because usually unfortunately his stuff is all tied up in that love triangle I don't really care about yeah. it so oh, well. so but yeah 
Um, and so... the catfishing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Oh, that's coming up soon too. Ooh. Yeah, uh, it's a bitch about how he took an Elton John song and you know. Oh yeah, he sang Elton John twice. He did. Yeah. And, and here's his, okay. This is what I love, writer, and we are going to talk about this in future episodes. But damn it, it pisses me off because the two songs. Okay, so I want. So first off, they screwed up. Dress you up by putting in the bitches back, and so mm-hmm. we were never ever going to get Darren's version of singing "Dress You Up." And then the yeah, which we never got. We never got a full version that didn't have Usher and Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber talking over it. Ugh. Of what? What? I lost. The I lost. Night out. The so they did night one of those. Oh. Yeah, they did one of those fashion night out videos, and Darren does a cover of Madonna's "Dress You Up," which is just hot as hell. But it's the whole ad is like advertising the fashion night out, and so they have all these other celebrities that are talking over it. Uh, so it's not like when they did the one with the Glee cast singing fashion right? they just made a music right. video I don't yeah. think I've ever yeah. seen that oh, I haven't see seen that. it, it has, is it even on anymore I don't think I've it's seen it it's on YouTube long. still me and my sister pull okay. it up every now and then I'm post that stuff on Tumblr I have not seen it but it, and post it on Tumblr tonight because I'm boycotting Tumblr tomorrow I know we already discussed newbies but can we just talk about Jacob's dancing yeah, sure. Before we get into the last blam thing, yeah, let's do that. I just, just I love watching him dance, and I know a lot of people were like, "Why aren't you focusing on him?" Mike Chang is a good dancer. Yes, he is. But, but Mike Chang's not on this season. I remember. Mike Chang's saturated. <laughs> I remember searching for gifs of of the dancing in that song and not finding any, and so making some myself. <laughs> yes, he, I just love to watch him dance. He's so good. He uh, is yeah. good. I think it's a you know. It's unfortunate that sometimes these kind of like the I find a little bit tedious love story thing kind of gets in the way because like there's some really good character stuff and visually like, you know, like the the dance stuff that Jake can do. And I'm like, well, there's some really great stuff there. I kind of wish they would focus more on that. than yeah, he's so handsome and so good. So, he's so good. He do, he's yeah. a great dancer, and I think he people is. should go back and, and watch the dance scene. And, and a lot of the stuff that he does, it's re- there's some really amazing stuff there. So his uh, his dancing absolutely floored me. But honest to God, I was in with Jake the moment that I heard the preview of him doing Never Say Never, and I was like, okay, I'm in. I was oh, so yeah. not on board with the season four newbies when I heard that there were gonna be newbies in season four until I heard him sing that. Was it's not a Coldplay song. It's a Coldplay One Republic. One of no. those. Mm-hmm. One of those one of those groups. But I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm kind of just the voice, voice of an angel. I'm a little bummed that he did the Britney version of my prerogative. It sound or the, yeah. the arrangement sounded very similar to the Britney version. Because yeah. the original version is just so amazing. I know. No, seriously, okay, it's like we were talking about Bobby Brown and suddenly like I had like every little step with like my earworm started us. I just started bopping in oh my, my head and singing it. So yeah. Kay, do you feel like you said your piece on Against All Odds? Do you feel I better did. now? I did. I think I it's think therapeutic. My, this podcast I, is therapeutic. I think I've made myself clear. I've been wanting to say it out loud for so long to someone and other now than you my have. sister. And now <laughs> I have, and I just hope that the listeners understand that it is okay for Blaine to do things that do not involve her. Yeah. Right, and all five of my a... listeners will probably feel the same way. 
<laughs> well, the you ones that are already shoulders. here with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like a, a weight has been released. Like the albatross I is do. finally free. I'm going to sleep so well tonight. And, I, and as much as I'm teasing you, you know, I really like I. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad you got to say your piece, Kay. I, I am so. Thank you. That's why I put you. you on the episode. Yeah, I um, got to get my Tina ran out on on Sadie Hawkins. I get this ran out on this one. It's it's really been a help. That's good. I'm glad. We we try to really get out to real emotions on this podcast. Um, Today, Dream so, Believers podcast really advocates for mental health. <laughs> we actually, I do, but that's and rant peace that of I mind. Should probably go on because that you guys don't want to be here for another two hours. So um, it's not just fangirling; it's therapy. It is exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, one thing that we didn't mention about the against all odds scene, though, is um, that kind of leads into the scene where they're at the piano. Is Sam watching? Blaine and I even though Tina's making fun of it and everybody else is a little awkward and Kitty mm-hmm. stands up for him Sam's just carefully watching and just being like I know what this is about dude and we really mm-hmm. got to get to the heart of this because I it, it's almost like you got to tell me because I'm cool with it yeah and I kind of like the subtleness yeah. of that mm-hmm. exactly he doesn't want to see Blaine be hurt and suffer because he doesn't want yeah. to be sad but yeah. he it, it gets to the point where but it does, he finally just goes to him, it's like, he's not going to say it. I didn't want to be the one to say it, and because conf- I didn't want to be confrontational, or that he may see it as me being confrontational, but we've got to lay it out, and I'm just going to have to, because mm-hmm. we go into that last scene, it's finally it's like, dude, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is also gives um, Sam a door to say, okay, well, Blaine is slightly trying I'm to- I'm ready for that threesome? Needs- Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 well, I've sorry. always been it's like I, I never really thought about experimenting before but <laughs> oh. I'm sorry go on no, no that's okay. a serious point no <laughs> whatever uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, just that um, Sam is, knows that he like Blaine is this is Blaine trying to communicate mm-hmm. but Blaine is not always the best at communication so yeah. Sam's like you know what maybe I should maybe it's okay if I tell, tell him that I'm cool with this which was my point so yeah. he's so kind yeah. about it yeah. yeah yeah and I mean uh, you know it's like Blaine he tries to communicate with song and maybe he figured Sam was like this is finally it but sometimes he tries to communicate with song and then somebody just blurts like so what was that about and it's like moment room fucking Tina god <laughs> damn it Tina who wrote this, Tina? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a fan fiction where their baby doesn't like Tina. I oh god, that one was so funny. <laughs> and Tina oh, is just boy. crying. Like, why does your baby hate me? Because <laughs> I just imagine that she would be the one that would take that personally. Oh my gosh. Okay, so then we get this scene, and um, is do you think Blaine's like writing music or just playing around with what is he doing? Yeah, I, I think he's just, yeah. He says he's trying to uh, work on another Phil Collins song. Um, oh, actually, so, so did didn't somebody try to zoom in because there was like sheet music? Mm-hmm. Someone, yeah, I, I remember someone figured out what song it was, but I don't remember what it was, and I wasn't familiar with it. I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's an acoustic version of Susudio. <laughs> no, it's like I may be remembering this wrong. This may be a, a case of cryptomnesia on my part, and that's a false memory. But I think it may have been it may have been the song from White Nights. It may have been Separate Lives, which is a duet that Phil Collins did with another artist mm. uh, for the mm. a song a song called Separate Lives, 
which, you know, at that point, maybe he was thinking about Kurt. Um, or maybe or thinking about, about the that, end of his relationship with Sam or something because he was so about insecure. What the one he did with that guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire? Uh, Easy Lover? Yes. Easy I love that song. All right, so let's um, open up and talk about some feelings here. And um, actually, I think this, I mean, joking aside, I think this scene is really sweet and really open. And um, I just think it's really great communication between the two of them where Sam says, hey, I know you have a crush on me and that's cool. And I've known all year and I am hot. So, you know, I'm not going to take <laughs> you know, it away. I am hot to you, so there you go. <laughs> so, it's like, I'd be these... kind of insulted if you didn't have a crush on exactly. me. Exactly. Like, Wow, Sam, you just went from really supported to just really fucking conceited. <laughs> I think it, actually, I think it was his way of saying like it's not conceited like, to know the truth about yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can't like, I'm a hot guy. You're a hot guy. Yeah. If you there can't you go. yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Or me, man. Go on. But no, I was just going to say, I think it's his way of say, trying to make Blaine feel more comfortable yeah. about the whole thing. And and then, yeah, Blaine tenses up and he's like, you've been here through this whole cart thing. And he gets all nervous and scared. And Blaine's like, whatever, dude, whatever. Just admit it and we'll move on. And that's fine. I mean, what Sam has always been that guy. He like from, from day one, he had no problem singing with Kurt, you know, um, despite fandom's objections, you know, he was a, just so into Mercedes at prom when she felt like mm -hmm. she would never have that. Like Sam is like Mercedes. Sam is one of those people who likes to create safe spaces for people. Mm -hmm. And so he's a safe space. He's a safe space. For he does Blaine. it for Rachel in season six yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Well, being, I think for him being honest is better than hiding anything and you, and he's yeah. never intending to hurt anybody. So the honesty comes off as genuine. Mm -hmm. exactly and, and it's hard for him to not be honest i mean look at right. season two how hard it was for him to accept help and to even admit right. that he that he and his family needed help hmm. and he's one of those guys where it's like we talked about problematic faves and all of that earlier in the podcast but i sam is one of those few characters that genuinely has a pure heart mm -hmm. people try to label sam as the new like oh i hated this phrase as some at one point white savior on the show white male savior and mm -hmm. i never got that from sam because unlike mr shu um a lot of his all of his attempts to reach out to people have been from a genuine place of concern right and a yeah. genuine place of experience like with marley it's never been about his ego like it was with mr shu or and even i'm just thinking back his attempts yeah. with kurt I was going to say, look back at the way Sam treated Kurt. I'm sure Sam knew that Kurt had, like, something going on. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he was like, yeah, whatever. I said I would sing a duet with him, and that's cool. He sounds and like Faith Hill. Right. I'll sing yeah. with him. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, what do you guys think? Because I remember when this came out, there was a lot of conversation about how this was trying to do a uh, a male-male, one gay, one straight friendship that was different than the way Kurt and Finn played out or. Well, the reason why Kurt and Finn played out the way that it did was a, we had very, two very different personalities, two very strong mm -hmm. personalities at play with that one. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget that the tone of the show was really different back then as well. Oh, and so we're just dealing with, with two different personality types 
two different situations because when we started the show, Kurt's crush on Finn was based on the fact that even though he bullied him, he was nicer about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's where that. So we're starting from a negative of he throws me in the dumpster, but he let me take off my expensive jacket as mm-hmm. opposed to this is a guy who like I, he, I was hurting and he saw me and he really saw me. Mm-hmm. So of course it's going to, that alone is enough reason yeah. for it to play out so differently. But then, like I said, you have two completely different Blaine is older than Kurt was at the time. Blaine has a self-awareness about the situation that Kurt didn't have because Kurt wasn't, you know, Kurt was just out of the closet. He didn't right. have any support. He didn't have anyone that he could go to about it, you know, and he's just trying yeah. to copy what he sees as romantic gestures that he learned, you know, and I think Kurt and Finn is a little closer to maybe how Blaine reacted to Jeremiah, mm-hmm. where he was a mm-hmm. lot younger and he just like, yeah, you know, made this big, huge showy mm-hmm. gesture. Yeah. Well, also, the Kurt other wound thing up about... having to compete with Finn for his father's attention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which right. is a totally different dynamic than anything that's going on. Right. And before and that, Kurt, you know, please, Kurt, please do not come after me. But Kurt was somewhat manipulative in his his crush on Finn and played into some, to be fair, played into some pretty bad stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, about, and not only that, you know, Blaine's coming game. into this crush. Blaine's coming to the crush with, oh, sorry. No, no. What I was saying was that, you know, obviously because Kurt, you know, set Rachel up as far as the, you know, with the makeover and, you know, getting his parents to, you know, getting their parents together to get closer to Finn and all that. <laughs> Having and him sing and... that really bad song to Quinn's parents that right. backfired. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, come on, that was amazing. <laughs> that was an amazing <laughs> moment. It was, but it was still and, kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> even Bert, rightly so, called him out on it. Like, right after it was in the duets episode, he called Kurt out. Like, from what I understand, you know, it wasn't entirely, you know, look, don't get me wrong. Finn had absolutely no right to yell the F word at him. But it was just like, he wasn't 100%. He wasn't completely innocent in the whole thing. Yeah, and not only that, yeah. but Blaine's coming into this crush with Sam after coming out a long-term serious relationship. He has experience yeah, in a relationship up. experience with love. He's, oh. you know, he's lost his virginity. Kurt's coming into this freshly out. He has never met another gay person that he mm-hmm. knew because Santana was in the closet. He's right. never, you know, that was his only hope as far as he knew for having any type of romantic relationship. You know, think that's where he was, that's where he was at the right. time. So he made a lot of misguided choices, whereas Blaine's like, Blaine knows what this is and knows what it can and can't be and knows that there right. are other gay kids out there if you're right. really looking yeah. to move on from Kurt. So it's yeah. coming off differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, said, I think Tina's crush on Blaine is more paralleled with the Kurt and Ben Yeah, I think so too. And it's simply, again, once again, these are teenagers and teenagers are naturally melodramatic. They are also mm. very much in the present and really can't think more than like five minutes ahead of time. <laughs> my sister, my I know I've mentioned it before, my sister's a teacher and in one of the things that she mentioned that she's learned in her in her classes is that toddlers and teenagers are very similar in that <laughs> they don't see before the you know before yeah. the immediate moment. Yeah. Um, and um, they take risk in a way that that people who are older and further along in their development don't take the same kind of risk. 
So a toddler, you know, trying to jump off the top of a bookshelf is not much different than a teenager who goes to sing at a gap or makes over a whole entire bedroom to look like the inside of a genie's bottle because they're not thinking about the consequence. Yeah. God damn it. Now you just made me remember that they never sang genie in a bottle and now I'm pissed. <laughs> oh, uh, Jamie, what were you going to say? A little bit um, yeah, uh, I I just wanted to mention that um, that Sam showed that he's um, not homophobic, like right in one of his first episodes, uh, mm-hmm. which was which was really mm-hmm. cool because like when uh, um, Finn was trying to convince him not to sing with Kurt, um, he was like, "I didn't know this school had a problem with gay dudes," and he's like, "No, it's not like it's not like that." But <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and obviously Blaine wasn't there for that. But um, just because Sam is his friend uh, doesn't mean that Blaine is sure that Sam isn't going to be freaked out if he has a crush on him. Um, and uh, al- although there are limits, right? Because as soon as uh, as soon as everything's out in the open and they hug, Sam is like, <laughs> is, is that is that lifesavers in your? <laughs> I'm like, please, Sam. Just say something oh, bigger man. than lifesavers. Yeah, but you, don't you want to know what would have happened if he had said no? No, it's my dick. Where would they have gone from there? Yeah. <laughs> I think I read that fic, though. I wonder, yeah, I'd like to read that. I wonder if that No, is that a pepper grinder in your pocket? Is that, <laughs> is that a lighthouse? A lighthouse, oh my god. Understand Blaine's fear. I mean, obviously it's different. Of but growing up, I went to schools that were very much predominantly white in the 80s and you know 90s. And when I'm surrounded by nothing but white kids, and I'm having, I remember in the eighth grade, I had a crush on this guy, and I'm talking to my friend who, and I was like, I just don't understand. You know, we hang out, blah blah. Why doesn't he like me back? And she goes, Have you ever thought that he doesn't like you back because you're black? And I remember just being like. That could, like, I had not considered that. And so I kind of understand that fear of being rejected for something that that you can't control and that ruining the friendship. And I've had friendships that I, like, consider these people part of my family. And I find out that they've got racial hangups that Mm -hmm. I would have never known. They turn out, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, I keep finding people that I consider close friends and family and they're supporting Trump, and they're supporting this, and they're supporting that, and they actually are racist. I'm just the exception to, you know, whatever stereotypes. You know what I mean? So I kind of Mm -hmm. understand Blaine's apprehension Mm -hmm. there because it could be a two-sided blow of I'm losing this friend, and Mm -hmm. I'm finding out that, you know, they feel this kind of way with regards to who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also nice that this, I mean, the crush kind of doesn't, it just whatever isn't really, I mean, it is mentioned again, mm-hmm. but like whatever, Blaine finds Sam attractive and we move on. It's not this big, big dramatic blow up. It's not like the crazy stuff that Tina goes on. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's, that's that. Okay. We, we it kind of becomes with that. an inside joke between them because when yeah. Blaine's shopping for that ring and he tells the, he tells Jan, oh, yeah, he wants yeah. to do me. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I do like that the the other part of that ending exchange where the, the, is this, that you know lifesavers in your pocket and he's like no it's breath mints and then he's like do you want one and they're like yeah okay and they just and they just okay. so let's wrap this up with Mamma Mia and um, yes. the uh, one thing I want to say about this is the golden hula hoop of <laughs> destiny. <laughs> oh yes. So um, 
I'm, so, but, I'm yeah. sure the New York side, you guys will talk about Kurt tripping over that. Hoop. We will. Yeah. Every time I read fan fiction about how graceful and Kurt moves like a cat, he's so smooth and it's like he's walking on air. And I'm like, nah. But, but I think Kurt comes um, off of pianos and trips over hula hoops. I, I just yeah. want to say that, like, this song kind of. It, does both I mean it's not the first time they do it but it does really incorporate the Lima side and the New York side in a really fun way and even though we all joked about the golden hula hoop of destiny <laughs> oh they're gonna get married it was just a way to connect Clayne, connect the show between the New York and Lima side mm-hmm. to say hey we're we know that this particular episode was not about that but we haven't just, forgotten it right yeah so yeah I like my so we watched that last night on the semi-drunk because I can't drink, but my sister drink. We'll have a drink, and we watch the jukebox. And she goes, "Why did they straighten Blaine's hair? It's not like people didn't have curly hair in the seventies." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "They should have let him rock his natural curls, like Mr. Cotter." No, well, they'd have had totally to straighten. I mean, it was his curls weren't tight enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was was more of a and they wanted to give him kind of more of that shag. We call it down here Bama bangs. So. <laughs> <laughs> So. But I feel like they should curl this hair like Mr. Ow! Cotter on Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining me, and thank you, Sladius, for coming out for this first time. Hi. Had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and um, if you haven't already, uh, check out the Kurt side of Guilty Pleasures. If not, next week we will be back with Shooting Star. So have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. My missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just guessing At numbers and figures Pulling the puzzles apart Will you love me? Even with my dark side Somebody let me come through I'll always be there as frightened as you to help us survive